I was working on this talk, um, and while I was working on it, I was like, I need to go to confession. <laughs> because like the Lord is just convicting my heart of some of these truths, and these are things that I've known, um, that have maybe been lived out more powerfully in my life at different times, but I was just really convicted. Like, God, you have so much more for me than I'm living right now. And so that's kind of, I hope that like, as we travel somewhere together tonight, like, we can reach a spot like that together. Like, well, you personally, but also like, as a people, to kind of take the, uh, take the, um, the safety off. Um, kind of what Alan was saying, like, the Lord has so much more for us this semester. You know, what Kurt was saying, like, we don't know why we're sent. Like, we actually don't know what's, what's possible, what's going to happen this semester. And the Lord has so much for us. Amen? Amen. This is because, brothers and sisters, this is fan the flame season. Yeah. Like, the Holy Spirit is alive all the time. But this is the time where you kind of step into um, digging into the Holy Spirit a little bit more so that we as a people are going to, to lead fan to flame. Like, that's y'all's job. Like, you're going to be the leaders of fan to flame. Like, fan to flame is dependent on the Lord. He's everything. But it's going to go well or go poorly by how well we're tapped, we're plugged into him. You got you guys with me? Like, that is, like, like God's going to do his thing. But again, like, the environment, um, the prayer, is his ability to work is really going to be how well we're, and how docile we are to his spirit. So that's why we're digging into this right now. Um, I was talking to a brother today, and he was like, yeah, I've just been on a lot of retreats, I've done a lot of retreats, and sometimes there's this attitude of like, yeah, we'll do what we can, but like, God will take care of it. You know, like, whatever, like, we'll just show up and like, it'll be great. Um, that's not what we're going to do. I think it's like a, he's, he, he called it a lazy approach. I think I'd agree with that. We just like kind of like live our next four weeks, invite a couple people, and you know talk about our household a couple times, and then show up a fan of flame. Like here we are now, God can work. That's like the wrong idea. Like the Lord wants to do something powerfully tonight, and then as we travel towards fan of flame. Amen. You guys ready for that? All right. So I'm going to start somewhere pretty basic. See in your outline. Why does SPO exist? That's like. That's, that's, this is important for what we're going to talk about, Fan of Flame. Um, and the answer, we, we can talk about a lot of things. Um, but I think fundamentally, why it feel exists? Because God wants it to. That's it. Um, at some point in time, God was like, I want this to happen as a work of my spirit on American college campuses. So, a little bit of history. So, it all started with the Holy Spirit. Surprise, surprise. So, there was this place in Minnesota called the St. Paul Youth Center. They don't really, diocese, diocese don't really do this anymore, but it was basically like a, they weren't really youth ministers. There was no youth ministry back in the 70s. So they did, but they made this building where like they kind of like ship all the kids off to. And they had like youth programs there. You know, I guess, uh, yes, I don't know if they did in the 70s. I'm sure there was like some kind of like large group gathering where they played games and learned each other's names or there was some kind of talk. But like the fact was this, this youth center was kind of stale. There's people there who were diocesan and staff who worked there full time. And it was just kind of like existing. And I'm sure they did some good things. Um, but uh, some of the staff actually went on a Fan of Flame retreat. It was called the Life and the Spirit Seminar, same thing. And they were they experienced baptism in the Holy Spirit. And their lives changed. The quote that was going around at that time was uh, For too long, we've just been offering people good advice. But now we can offer them the good news. That Jesus is Lord, amen? amen. And like it just it radically changed the center. These leaders just had this passion, zeal. They were preaching the gospel. The spirit was alive. They were praying with people. People were getting healed. People were experiencing baptism of the Holy Spirit themselves. The prayer meetings were vibrant. They were powerful. 
that's actually where Gordy comes in the picture. Is one of his buddies invited him to these things, and he was that guy actually who sat on the back with his buddy on the radiator with their hands folded, just watching. Because he was too cool to kind of dive in quite yet. But he, what he saw, what he saw, like moved the people who were praying to God, like he's real, like he was active and alive, and it's something that struck a chord in him, struck a chord with him. So. What happened from this is all these people, they're getting converted and alive in the spirit, and they started going on these retreats on the, uh, started staffing retreats in the summer around the area for high school kids. Well, that became Net Ministries. But at the same time, part of the work of the spirit was actually convicting them to actually, we should like be a community, be a people together. Well, that became the covenant community up in Minnesota. And then in 1985, one of the leaders there was like, hey, Gordy, you've been doing a great job with these these summer retreats on net, organizing all that, do you want to do a college outreach? And he's like, no, I don't. Um, will you pray about it? He's like, sure. So obviously he says yes. I sent him to Michigan, where a lot of the renewal of the Holy Spirit was happening, especially at that university up there that won't be named. Um, but he lived, in, he lived in a summer household program there. And he just learned about household, learned about the way of life, learned about um, like how to put on a prayer meeting, how to get small groups, how to like basically have the formation program. We learned about all these things, and he went back to University of St. Thomas, and it exploded. That kind of the peak of it was in 1989. They had 120 men and women living in summer household. 120, and just University of St. Thomas. That's just where it was. That's the only place they were working because that was his vision. It was just like God, like we need this here. 120 men and women, including Bishop Cousins. Yeah, he wasn't Bishop Cousins at the time. He was a little, little aunt, little Drew. Um, but it was, it was um, powerful, powerful stuff going on. And at this time, there was two foundational scripture verses that the Lord kind of brought up the beginning of SPO. One was Psalm 127. That's, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. He's had this deep conviction that, like, the Holy Spirit is the one who does this. Yeah, yeah, we have our clever strategies, we have these things, but like, unless the Holy Spirit convicts hearts, unless he changes lives, we're, just, we're laboring in vain. The second one, John 15, 5. That one is, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Again, it's just this deep sense of like, our fruit comes from our connection to the Lord. Yeah. And if we're not abiding in him, we're wasting our time. This is, again, this is just a social club. This is just a bunch of nice friends hanging out. It's not actually what God wants to be. We're not plugged in. So that's what I love about SPO. SPO didn't start in like some back room with cigars that Gordy was smoking, being like, you know what would be a really good idea to do? It was like, it was a work of the Holy Spirit. They, he, he didn't even want to do it, and he felt called. He saw the need. He was convicted. He came back, started doing it, and God just blessed him abundantly. Um, and so, even since the beginning, it was the Holy Spirit working in power through St. Paul's outreach. And so, I think today, even still, the Holy Spirit is our engine. Amen? Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is our engine. If, it's, if, he's not, if we're not plugged in, if we're not surrendered, if he's not working, what are we doing? So, that's, that's our challenge. That's our goal. So, what I want to say is this thing goes nowhere without the Holy Spirit. Are we convicted of that? Amen? <coughs> this thing goes nowhere without the Holy Spirit. So, here's what I want to propose. At the heart of SPO is this new way of relating to God and to each other. And the phrase we call that is life in the spirit. At the heart of SPO is this new way of relating to God and to each other that can be categorized and called like life in the spirit. This isn't made up. We're going to get some scriptural stuff here very soon. It's not like 
we coined that phrase. That's it's all over scripture, especially Romans 8. But that is really at the heart of who we are as a people. It's actually one of our cares and values is renewal in the Holy Spirit. We put that in there very intentionally because it's really it's the start. It's the first one, if you will. And yeah, this so this God's been accomplishing this, this new way of relating to God, this new way of relating to each other, this life and spirit. He's been accomplishing this through baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's one of the primary ways he does it. Fan of flame is therefore like the primary way that God makes us SPO. You guys tracking with me? Like we do all the SPO things throughout the year. But Fan of Flame is actually like the most powerful, pivotal, put your finger on it if you need to, spiritual moment where God makes us SPO. It's Fan of Flame. So we as a people are going there to be filled, right? Then somebody like we have we have formation. So like God is con- it's not just like a one time thing where we feel like this this happens constantly. It happens in morning prayer, right? That, uh, Malta. Are you guys that were guys are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit yeah. in morning prayer? You guys know that story, right? You told them? Yeah, okay. You guys are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit in morning prayer, man. Like, it can happen whenever. But the fact is, on Fan of Flame, we bring a ton of people with us. We say, hey, we're going, we're ascending the mountain. We're going towards the Lord. Um, come with us. I think God has something more for you. And so we preach the gospel, and we give people an opportunity to respond, to yield to the Holy Spirit, to step out in a powerful way, and God does stuff. So, Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, you guys got a sweet book um, over break. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, although you probably should, um, if you read it or not. But there's there's some really good stuff in there about Baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to give us just a little bit. It's kind of like a, like a buzzword. I don't know. Like you say, Baptism of the Holy Spirit, renewal in the Holy Spirit. People hear baptism, like, what are you trying to make a new sacrament, John? That's not it. I read the book does a really good job explaining that, actually. But... Uh, I'm just going to give us a little bit of like a uh, overview so we can kind of unwrap our minds around, okay, what are we doing on Fan of Flame? If John says this is that important, like why, why exactly is it that important? So, the entire New Testament is alive with the fact that the early Christians were able to experience the Spirit with them and working among them. The entire New Testament, especially Acts of the Apostles. You guys, you guys read Acts of the Apostles before? It's nuts. So, and here's a little side note. We're talking about, we're going to use the word experience a lot. And I think we can often think about baptism of the Holy Spirit experience, like, oh yeah, like powerful emotion and crying. Like, that sometimes comes with it. That's not fundamentally what I'm talking about when I say experience. Okay, let me define this word for us a little bit, or expand this word a little bit for us. So, uh, example I heard, we talk about meeting someone we don't know. Let's say Natowski's parents. Like, I heard Natowski talk about his parents. And I hear things about them, and they sound great, and they raise a good kid. He's driven, he's going to be an accountant someday, that's great. Whatever. Raise a son who's in, uh, at the Abbey. Is it called? Yeah. I met him. You, you guys meet his brother? What a dude. Um, the thing is, I can, I can hear all about them, but then when I meet them, I mean, I like, break down into tears, but like, I've experienced them, and I know them from experience. So there's a different way I can relate with them and know them now, now that I have like shaken their hand and talked to them for the first time. So that's kind of what we want can think about too when we expand our understanding of experience of like, oh, I've met the person. I understand them better now. I know them better now. And we have that kind of shared um, understanding and experience together. You guys tracking with me? Good. So side note, the side. So back back to our back to our story, Holy Spirit, New Testament, all over the place. At the Last Supper, Jesus said, 
The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have taught you. That's important. The Holy Spirit will remind you, um, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. So, here's, I'm going to go over like seven quick things. We're just going to roll here fast. Um, of what times that the Holy Spirit like intervened powerfully in Acts of the Apostles. So one, when the Christians in Jerusalem prayed for courage to speak the gospel um, after some persecutions, it says in Acts 4, the house where they were assembled shook. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to proclaim the word of God boldly. One, Holy Spirit working on Two, um, when Stephen was being martyred, it says in Scripture he was filled with the Holy Spirit and was able to gaze into heaven and see Jesus. That's Acts 7. Acts 8. Philip um, was on the road and he was led by the Spirit to encounter the Ethiopian eunuch who was actually reading Scripture um, on his, uh, he's reading Isaiah. That's the famous line where he's like, it's like, what you reading there? He's like, uh, some Jewish prophets? The guy's not a Jewish. He's like, interesting. Uh, do you know what you're reading? He's like, how can I know what I'm reading unless someone instructs me? And then Philip's like, that's why God sent me. So, um, that was Acts 8. Um, Acts 16. So Paul was led by the Spirit in his missionary journeys. Um, here's some funny places here. But this is, scripture says, When they traveled through Phrygia and the Galatian country, having been told by the Holy Spirit not to preach the word in Asia, when they reached the frontier of Mysia, they thought to cross into Bithynia. But as the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them, they went through Mysia down to Tros. So God was clearly, the Spirit was directing their steps. And they were in tune. They were plugged into it. He was leading them directly. Acts 11. The Holy Spirit spoke to Agabus when he foretold a great famine. There's a, a powerful prophecy in the community. Um, shout out to Antioch. Acts 13. The Church of Antioch. The Spirit actually calls them to set aside Paul and Barnabas for a definite service that the Lord has for them. Um, 7. Before Paul was taken prisoner by the Romans, he repeatedly talks about how the Spirit warned him that this was coming. This was Acts 20. So, brothers and sisters, time and time again, the Spirit's intervening in life. This is, and when we look at in our Christian life today, we say, like, okay, like, what's normal? Is, like, what we experience now normal? Is, like, actually, like, God want to do things like that today? I think the answer is we've experienced some of us, yet God wants to do things like that today. That's the kind of normal relationship of a Christian. Is the Spirit alive in your life like this? Speaking to you, guiding you? I mean, not telling you where to go, but the promptings. And when we're plugged into Him, we, we can hear His voice. He can follow His promptings. He can lead Him. He can lead us. So, it says here, the most important thing the Spirit did for the early Christians, though, was to teach them, to remind them, just as Jesus said, of the Father's love for them. Right? The most important thing the Spirit did was to teach them, remind them, of the Father's love, to ground them in this reality. Romans 8, the spirit you receive is not the spirit of slaves bring fear to your life again. It is the spirit of sons, and it makes us cry out, Abba, Father. Because the spirit himself and our spirit bear united witness that we are children of God. The spirit himself, God himself, bears witness with our hearts, like rings true in our hearts, in our beings, in our like experience that we are sons and daughters of God. That's the kind of thing we're talking about here. So, um, Paul has an argument in Galatians. Uh, 
and then Galatians where he calls them stupid because they're uh, they're going back on they're they're clean on their old law, right? As their source of justification. He's saying like, guys, like you received the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that? Like that was, did you receive it because you did all the right things or because you heard the preaching and believed in faith? So his whole argument is like, hey, you experienced something powerfully. You did that because of faith. So with it, they experienced something powerful. So the whole basis of his argument is based on the fact that people in the early church experienced something powerful. And God wants to offer that to each and every one of us. It's not cookie cutter. It's not the same. But God wants the Spirit to be alive in us so that we can say, with John, um, we can know that we are living in Christ and he is living in us because he lets us share in his Spirit. Like we can have a certainty and a knowledge. We don't have to wonder if God is active and alive in our lives. We can know with certainty. This is the invitation that God has for us as a people as we do in the next four weeks and for every single person on this weekend. That's what we want to hold out to him. Amen? Yeah. All right. So here's the thing. Most Christians, we are, we're not living this. This is partly why I There's areas in my life, but God, you're so present and alive, and there's areas where I just shut you out. Um, even this morning. So... Um, I've been for a few days, but this morning I got, got back to my routine, uh, got to the gym, got back, hung out with the family for a bit, and then I just kind of like um, sat on the couch and like went on The Athletic, which is my favorite sports site, for like 20 minutes. And the kids were like cooking breakfast. And I got up and I was just like, what was that? That was like, that was a departure from something. I, I think maybe I didn't like think that then because I had to like go run and get a new battery for my car because my battery was dead so I left it for three weeks. And... Um, that was kind of frustrating because it was a lot more like screws on the hitch that I thought I had to, and it was really cold outside because it was like 10 degrees this morning. And I kind of like was driving to work, and I was just like, this morning started well, but I'm kind of like, I'm like amped right now, frustrated. What's going on? I just kind of reflected back, and there was that, I was, that was a self, it was like, I was like gratifying my flesh by just like zoning out for 20 minutes in the middle of my morning. And I could have been with my family doing something productive or just being present. I kind of like withdrew. So, brothers and sisters, we're always, not always living a life of the Spirit, step and step. And then I just kind of like reset my day at that point and realize that, praise God, that He didn't leave me um, and repented and then asked Him to be with me as I keep going forward. But, like, we fall often, right? We, like, lose touch with the Spirit. We, like, forget that God has something more for us. We forget this, this power, this, this life inside of us, and He wants to direct us and be with us and be plug, want us to be plugged into Him. So, there's a lot of Christians today, brothers and sisters, um, and maybe some of us fall in this boat, but we live our Christian life on the basis of doctrine. Like, the check marks. Not that doctrine's bad. Doctrine's a great gift. But the problem is when we can just relate to our life solely on this. Say, okay, if I check the right boxes, okay, yes, 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 all right, I'm full with God. There we go. I can go I can go out my day in peace. That's actually not the Christian call, brothers and sisters. It's not. Because um, these... these you were checking that you were doing the boxes. You're probably taught about Christ and how to live as a Christian. Great. Um, you decided to do it. We're trying to pattern your life according to Christ's teaching. Um, you probably, if you, you know, times in my life, I believe that Christ is real. I mean, I know He helps me. I know He like He talked to me even at times. Um, but they don't really experience His presence. Right? They don't experience His presence on a consistent basis. They don't really see things that happen. They can tell like, oh, that's. That's the Lord leading there. Like, it's more than just like, oh, a good thing happened to me. That's God. It's, it's more than just that. Right? But what I want to say is a life in the Spirit changes that. It breaks us out of that monotonous um, 
and fixes out of that mold. Life in the Spirit changes that. Because people begin to know by experience that the Holy Spirit is with them. Who here has experienced this kind of shift in their life? Amen. There's a lot of us here. Um, praise God. And I would say to you, there's even more for us in this. So, here's some effects of how the Lord, how the Holy Spirit shakes us. How life in the Spirit can shake us in our faith and give us a new perspective and new eyes. So, you can begin to praise God and worship God with a new freedom. Right? Experience that. Um, whether that, that could be, be in, in like, song and human words. It could be in tongues. Um, it could just be um, a new understanding and fervor, desire for worship. They experience scripture coming alive. Christian doctrine actually makes sense. They see it as part of like a whole, like a, the beautiful whole of it. Um, they experience a new ability to talk to people about Jesus, a new freedom in talking to people about Jesus, and also when they talk to them about it, a more um, authentic expression of what they want to say. They walk away being like, I think I was able to say, like, thank you, God. Like, I think they, you surprise yourself in what you say sometimes because the Lord gives you words and draws things out of you. Experience a deeper peace and joy. Experience a new understanding and appreciation of community life. Right? They're drawn to being part of a people and being formed in the body of Christ. They experience the Holy Spirit leading the community in worship. Um, being guided by the Spirit and being taught by the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, this is what it looks like to have life in the Spirit. Amen? Amen. This is what it looks like. This is the invitation. And there's always more for us. That's actually the good news. There's always more for us. It's not like a one-time checkbox thing. Like, oh, I got the Holy Spirit now. I'm good. It's like, I'm, I'm like in, in the party. It's like there's always more for us. So, here's the thing. In SPO, we can have a tendency sometimes to, uh, to downplay life in the Spirit. We can maybe focus a little bit too much on We'll call them the doctrines of SPL, right? Instead of the household, the morning prayers, the dinners. It's like we're doing these things, so we're good. Those things are good, and they are forming you. But the fact is, they're nothing without the Holy Spirit. Amen. With this deeper conviction, with this deeper understanding of who He is and what He's doing in our lives and the lives of the community. Amen? So, here's the statement. I even bold this in my notes. It says, SPO is not SPO if we are not faithfully preaching the grace and power of baptism of the Holy Spirit and then striving to live a life in the Spirit. I'll say it again. SPO is not SPO if we are not faithfully preaching the grace of baptism of the Holy Spirit and then striving to live a life in the Spirit. That's why we can put our finger on our fan to flame and say, this is us. This is important to us. This is big. So a little bit of qualifiers here, two things really quick. We need to be smart about this. Um, we're evangelistic. There was a time early on in my SPO career where I was, I was pretty bold um, and not a helpful way. I was like, tell people about this all the time. And like, they come over for dinner for the first time, like, baptism of the Holy Spirit, man. And they're like, dude, I just want food. Like, I just met you. And it's weird. And it, it was unhelpful. Uh, so we have to realize that um, the good news is really broad. And we can bring people along knowing the Lord and then invite them. Um, that's why Fan of Flames is actually kind of late January. It kind of helps us like meet people and walk them along the process, and then we kind of drop the bomb on them in you know, late January when there's a little bit more relational capital. Let's be honest. This is like this is some, this is some weird. Most people haven't heard this stuff. Imagine most of you before college did not hear about baptism of the Holy Spirit before. This is like new things. For me, it was completely new. I was hungry for it, but I had no idea what was happening. Um, so 
to, to its second qualifier. Um, I'm not saying that baptism in the Holy Spirit is like the only way to live a holy life or a life in the Spirit. It's, it's not. Like, that's, that'd be ridiculous. Like, the church has existed for 2,000 years. This grace um, has really been really powerfully active in the Catholic Church since like, the 1960s. So like, you can be a saint and not be like, baptized in the Holy Spirit or life in the Spirit seminar or fan of it. But um, it's a pretty darn cool thing the Lord has given us. Again, this isn't like smoke your cigar, like, you know, we need a nice retreat format to do this thing. Like, this is a grace God did in the church. We're like, how can we like offer people the opportunity to say yes to this grace in another powerful way and receive it? Well, let's just do these seminars. Oh, wait, God's still doing it. Praise the Lord. Let's like, let's keep doing it because God's working and God's, God's doing powerful things. So, I have an analogy here that uh, I'm pretty proud of. So, this, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is like one of our greatest gifts in SPO, right? The Lord has given us the renewal of the Holy Spirit. He's given us this great gift. So, imagine this. Imagine there's a, uh, a steak restaurant over at uh, Ohio State, right? And uh, we're all staffers there. And we're really proud that we serve Salisbury steak. You guys ever had that before? You know what that is? It's basically like crappy hamburger meat. Like, like here's a steak. It's like, no, it's not. That's not steak. Like, but they, they, they hide it with, like, smothered, like, gravy and, like, you know, wet, uh, old mushrooms. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's disappointing. But it, it'll feed you, you know, and thankfully it is steak, right? So we're a steak restaurant that serves Salisbury steak. Um, my sister, we used to go to this, uh, like, cafeteria named uh, Luby's. You guys ever been to a Luby's before? Yeah. It's kind of bigger in the South. Only the Texans know. Luby's? <laughs> you know, what? They're actually going bankrupt, too. What? So you guys, have you guys been to a cafeteria before at least? Yeah. Those of you stuff here? Okay. Like, like you it's know, like, like a, you actually pay to go there, not the like golden corral. But. Yeah, but like, not quite. Golden <laughs> <laughs> corral might be a little bit nicer. Yeah, yeah. Which is the same. Yeah. Waffle House? Yeah, similar to Waffle House. Um, but yeah, anyways, we went there for Christmas one year and it was a good story. Ask me about it later. Um, so here's my analogy. You guys ready for the analogy? So it's like, we're cooking up our Salisbury steaks, and then God shows up and like, hey, here's a ribeye, and here's how to cook it, and you should serve this. And if SPO was like, ah, if we were like, that's not for us, that'd be the same of us being like, yeah, baptism of spirit's great, but we're not going to do that, because we like our Salisbury steak better. Right? That'd be like if we rejected baptism of the Holy Spirit, because it's a gift God has given us. And allowed us to use, because we didn't make it up. This is like his, this is his work. We're not owning this in any way whatsoever. It's just part of our identity. So we're owning this now, and now we get to serve delicious ribeye. Because um, you guys... <laughs> yeah, I see so, so it says, so if you're sitting here tonight, like, I hear you, John, but I don't think baptism of the Holy Spirit is for me, I would ask the question, why would you show up to a steak restaurant and order the chicken tendies? Who <laughs> wouldn't? Right? We didn't make this stuff up. God is doing it. All right. Cool. So that's, that's kind of like baptism of the Holy Spirit explanation, SPO, why it's our identity. Um, I'm going to transition here. Are you guys ready? Okay. I think, I think actually the page turns over too, maybe. Which is good. You're supposed to like slow down around the curves. I've done that um, somewhere. Yeah, so that's what I'm doing right now. Like slowing down around the curve as we transition into this different part of this talk. So, I want to address us as the leaders of Vanderbilt. Why? Because, um, like I said, if we are lukewarm, or if we just like say, yeah, I'll show up and God will do stuff, if we kind of like 
um, go halfway on this. I don't think God can do everything on this retreat that he hopes to accomplish. I actually believe that. And it's not like we're the eight, like God like is, we're, God's more, way more powerful than us. But he uses us. And he needs us. And a community is so important because um, when people come into it, they're going to feed off our faith. And they're going to be asking us questions. And they're going to wonder what we're talking about. And they're going to wonder about our experience and how we live a life in the Spirit. And if they see us active, that grace active in our life and us living in a relationship like that, they're going to want that, they're going to desire it, and they're going to see something different. Right? Amen? Amen. So we need to be um, on board with this. We need to understand. We need to be living this in a way that uh, is, um, is visible. And then two, Scripture's pretty clear. Like, where the faith is low, God can't work miracles. Look at Jesus in his hometown. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. And he was not able to work many miracles there because of their lack of faith. If our faith is low, then he's not going to be able to do what he can do there. I don't understand quite why that is, but the Bible's clear about that, so we're going to believe it. So God wants to prepare us. Okay, you ready for this? You guys ready? Alright, we're going. So, where do we go from here? I'm going to give us a word that you might be disappointed by, but we got to unpack it together. The word is humility. Great. Yeah. Okay. Guys are like cheese. Heard this before, John. And I, think, I think, yeah, I don't know if humility is the most exciting word, but you're going to be excited about it by end of this, I guarantee it. You ready? I guarantee it. It's powerful phrase. Uh, renewal in the Holy Spirit is not the wise SPO plan. It's what God has given us. And that's a humble statement. Right? That's, that's humility. We, like, I'm not up here saying that we have like, the best plan in the world because we like, figured it out. I'm saying because God did something and we're going to be faithful to that grace. If I had to make an outreach, my first years, probably my first like, five years in Espo Mission, I didn't under, quite understand why Phantom Flame was so essential. It's like, it's this kind of style retreat we have, I guess, like a awakening style retreat or this style retreat, but this, what Phantom Flame is, is taps into this renewal, this powerful transformation of a life. Like all those things we talked about earlier. This new worship, this new understanding of community, this new relationship with the Lord. Um, speaking to him like a friend, walking with him in a daily way. This is what we're talking about. So we stand on the shoulders of what God has revealed to us and how he's been working. Back to the Holy Spirit, um, this, this, this life in the Holy Spirit is found in Scripture. We're going to break, up, break open some more of that in a second. It's found in the tradition of the church. Kenton Lacey does an awesome job digging into the tradition, um, especially in the 300-400 time period with some church fathers. Of how they call it the golden age of the church. Um, it's endorsed by all the popes since its emergence in the 1960s. So we're not going rogue here. This is like well established within the history of the church. <coughs> so again, humility. I don't quite have all the answers here. I can't like write up the formula on the board and give us like a foolproof answer. Uh, so I don't understand like, how God works in some ways in power and doesn't in other ways. But I do know that, that when we give our lives to the Lord, He is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. Amen? Two verses here. Sirach 2. Consider the ancient generations and see. Whoever trusted in the Lord and was put to shame. Whoever persevered in his commandments and was forsaken. Whoever called upon him and was overlooked. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He forgives sins and saves in times of affliction. And he is the shield of all who seek him in truth. God is faithful. Luke 11, 11. What father among you, 
If his son asks for a fish, give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God is faithful. This verse, um, no, I'm no uh, Hebrew scholar, but apparently like the fish and serpent, there's like a play on the Hebrew words, they sound similar. So when we read that, we're like, yeah, no one would do that. That's ridiculous. I asked for a fish, you give me a snake. But it's like similar words in Hebrew, so it's kind of like a cool, more powerful scripture verse. Probably made more sense to uh, someone who was Jewish. Um, but we, we can step into this truth that um, God doesn't disappoint. When we ask for the Holy Spirit, God gives the Holy Spirit because God is faithful. Now, do we control the Holy Spirit? What it looks like? No, of course not. We don't control God. But when we ask Him, He does it. And that's amazing. Amen? Okay. So, the thrust of our response in all of this, that God's faithful, is humility, right? To believe what God has said about Himself and shown us to be true. To believe that. Here's a mindset. I want to propose to us over the next few weeks. You guys ready for this? Yeah. How do we want to approach this? Approach our next few weeks. Even for maybe approach the retreat. This is a quote. I think I got it. I actually don't know exactly where I got it from. Um, I think it's from Dietrich von Bonhoeffer from, uh, or Dietrich Bonhoeffer from uh, The Cost of Discipleship, which is an incredible book. He says, Take no place before God or man, but that of servant. Let this be your work and your goal. God is faithful. Just as water flows to where it's empty, so will God seek to fill that which is abased. I'll read again. Take no place before God or man, but that of servant. Let this be your work and your goal. God is faithful. Just as water flows to where it's empty, so will God seek to fill that which is abased. Because, mm. brothers and sisters, if we have all the answers, we're toast. We're toast. If we think we have this whole thing figured out, we're done. Our attitude, our disposition to God's gifts should be one of servant. should be one of emptying ourselves so that God can fill us. More of you, Lord, less of me. He must increase. I must decrease. So, we're given... The book, Sober Intoxication of the Spirit for Break, right? Then I picked it up, yet yeah, there's still time. No judgment. Um, uh, Father Cantalo Mason, he beautifully directs the work of the Spirit towards its proper end. The proper end of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, his whole life, like why Jesus came, is the cross. Like that was like what Jesus' earthly life led to, right? He showed us like that. The cross. The cross. So the work of the Holy Spirit is to empower us and lead us on the way to the cross. He has a great definition of sober intoxication. I think I wrote it in there. It's a state in which a person feels possessed by and led by God, which is a funny... It's translated in the book, so possessed. It's an interesting word there, but we understand what it means. Um, in possession of God, belonging to God and his family, and then experiencing that connection, led by God. A state that, rather than driving us away from participation in the community, leads us precisely to commitment, requires it of us, and often makes it easier and more joyful. So his life of the Spirit draws us out of ourselves. It kind of kills our little individualistic world. This grace makes it possible for us to give a more potent gift of self. 
So all my life rests on right? And that's the, the gift of the Holy Spirit allows us to make a more potent gift of our life. It draws us out of ourselves. So this is the decision point for us, though. Right, brothers and sisters? Like, we're here in this room. You experience the goodness of God. You're here as free men and women. Like, God's really blessed you. It's a lot of favor in your life right now. It's a lot of great things happening. We were just talking over there about how um, Greg had an economics professor who spent an entire semester convincing everybody that we live in the best time in the history of the world. Like, the things we have available to us, like, let's talk like economically. There's obviously things that are messed up. But, like, the economically, like, you can go to a grocery store and have some of the best food. Like, kings for, like, thousands of years didn't eat, like, one-tenth as good as you did at household dinner tonight. Amen? Like, we have it amazingly good. There's access to priests, to sacraments, to the content we have. Um, like, the best speakers in the world, they're like, they're all right here. Oh my, it's, it's incredible. We have it so good. But this is the place of decision for us, right? And actually, the, the, the question is asked of us by God. Kent Mesa does an awesome, incredible job of giving us this, this question, this decision we're faced with. He says, we are faced with a specific request from God. And that request is, will you give me your life? Will you hand over your life to me? Will you say all my life the rest of my life? He says, we are faced with a specific request from God that is among the clearest in the New Testament. The question is really clear. It is an obligatory path. If we do not begin to walk on it, we will not move towards God, but rather towards ourselves and our own whims. In fact, we will move towards spiritual defeat. Brothers and sisters, what is needed for us as a people, as a community, these next four weeks, and then moving past that, is a wholehearted response to God's invitation. A magnanimous sacrifice. All my life, the rest of my life. Like, start living for others today. Start laying down my life today. It's not about me. So that others may live. To lay down our lives so that others may live. So guys, God hasn't come... Um, so we can have a nice, comfortable life with a lot of free time and like very perfectly set up boundaries. He's come to set us on fire so that we can let other people know who are starving for truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Yeah. Uh, to wake up people who are People are yearning for these questions. These aren't just like questions for Christians. These are questions for all people. And this is the adventure God wants to call us on. There's so much more. We have no idea what's at stake. We have no idea why we're saying Right, Terry? We have no idea what's happening, but God has so much more for us. It doesn't even dawn on our brains. But when we submit, when we, in humility, say, God, I'm going to empty myself, live for others, start being plugged into your spirit, new horizons are opened up for us. New fruitfulness is possible in our life. So, so why, okay, this, this is the part where it says, like, it sounds kind of intense, John, whatever it says in your outline. This total self-gift. This, sound, this sounds kind of tense, right? It's like, okay, like, I've heard this before, but, like, maybe I've done this, maybe I haven't. Um, I can tell you right now, you haven't. This is like the part of the talk where I was just like, I'm going to confess now. Because there's just so much noise in my life. There's so many times I shrink away. There's so many times, I just don't get it. And it kills me. Just be just honest here, it kills me. All these, I just don't quite get it. And God's alive, he's doing great things. Praise the Lord. I have an awesome community. I have brothers and sisters who I can rely on. I have a great men's group. And we're working through it, and we're, we're going for it. And there is powerful breakthrough, and there's fruitfulness. Thank you, Lord. But there's just times where I just, again, just bang my head against the wall. I lose it. I forget it. I sit on my couch for 
and ignore my family while I just look at articles about Luka Doncic. You know? And it's, it's funny, because it's ridiculous. Um, so, but why we do the self-gift, why, why John's not just up here like trying to be all intense and stuff, this is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus showed us. This is his life, okay? So why do we go all in? Because the scriptures are clear. Jesus attained the glory of the resurrection and a life according to the Spirit by his cross. The resurrection comes after the cross. That was the way. There wasn't any other way. Jesus didn't like it either. But he was obedient in humility, submitted to the Father, um, and went all the way to the cross. He, it says here in 1 Peter 3.18, Jesus put to, was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Put to death in the flesh, made alive in the Spirit. And that's what I want to dig into us as we kind of take our final turn to home here. Our call to be more like Jesus, right? Like Not just like in theory, but actually to look like Jesus, to yeah. smell like Jesus, to people can experience us like Jesus. And this gateway is the cross, putting to death the flesh so that we can live in the Spirit. The New Testament is clear. By denying the flesh to live according to the Spirit. So the flesh is the old man, right? We've heard that before. Um, he's, egotist- he's egotistical, inclined to evil, disordered desires, rebellious towards God and authority. They're surrendered to the world. They're in on all the fads. They care about what, other, like what man thinks instead of what God thinks. They're, they're playing the game of the world. That's like what they want. And that's what's going to measure their success. That's the flesh. The spirit, on the other hand, says those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us be guided by the Spirit. Romans 8, 13. If by the Spirit you put the death, the deeds of the body, you will live. All right, we're, gonna, we're digging into Romans 8 here. Lord is leading us. So, I'm just going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. Um, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. Again, playing the world's game. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And this is kind of a, like, this is present in my life, but it's also not. Are we, are we baptized Christians? Yes, right? We are baptized Christians. So Paul says, But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God really dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although your bodies are dead because of sin, your spirits are alive because of righteousness. Praise the Lord. There's hope. But this is, this is the battle the Scripture is very clearly laying out for us. And it intensely gives it to us. Paul's very, he's not, he's not missing any words here. He says, set the mind on the, on the flesh is death. Set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. It's black and it's white. There's death and there's life for us. And there's life already within us, praise the Lord, because of our baptism. And the spirit is like, he's flickering inside of us, but he, want, we, he wants more. We want more. We want more. That's, that's the good news, is the fact we have the purchase of the spirit. It's calling out for more. Like, I got up from that couch twenty minutes being like, what? like, I just knew it wasn't right. I knew something was off. And that's the Holy Spirit convicting my heart. 
So praise God that I was unsettled this morning. Praise God that he pricked my heart. That I realized something was off. So now I can go back to the situation and actually make an offering of my life in a different way the next time. And actually live more according to the Spirit and be more in tune and more in touch and that momentum carried to the next thing I'm doing in my life. So I can be more present to him there and have more success inertia. Then we fall again, which is going to happen. Um, we check it again. We repent, we believe, and we move. So I had this... Um, so I, I'm not we know what this looks like in our own um, I uh, just three days ago I get a text like, like hey do you want to do this like really intense fast <laughs> then they involve 90 days <laughs> my first thought was like ow that's ridiculous. No. But, um, and that's my, that was immediately my flesh to Because on a sin, even before a sin, I just experienced my heart kind of desiring or I think like, you got more for me this semester than I think I was tapping into this year. This past, like, I think I kind of want to like, that a little bit more. Do some kind of like fast or something. And then like a week later, I text, I'm like, no. Then, like, because the spirit, God was like drawing my spirit to him. And then this opportunity comes, my flesh is like, no. So you guys clearly see how, like, what Paul's talking about here? Like, the spirit is life and peace. It doesn't mean it's easy. Like, life and peace doesn't mean, like, skip it through daisies. But that's, that's the fruit of that action. And then over here is, is me, selfish, walls, free time, comfort, easy. And that's what I think we as a community need to break out of these next four weeks. Wherever that is in our life. And praise God, like you live in a house, like you guys, a lot of you live in a household. You're here tonight. You're, you're like hopefully praying every day. Like making some serious steps for the Lord. Some of you guys travel across the country for like five days for a conference. You're, you are doing things. Praise the Lord. But there are areas, I know there are areas, that we can surrender a little bit more to the Lord. That we can just give a little bit more of his a yes. That he can operate in a little bit more powerful way, right? Yeah. And for some of us, it could be huge, actually. Maybe this is like a Copernican revolution for us. Because Kitchen Mason does an awesome job talking about this. I'm quoting him. He talks about um, in the Christian life, we can have this tendency to say, like, yeah, like, I'm a Christian and, like, I'm living my life and, like, God, like, I'm going like, to, like, help me out here. Because, like, my life is a sinner and God's a guy who, like, shines rays on me and, like, helps me out and, like, makes things work and, like, makes it better and, like, some salt and pepper into the situation and, like, some help when I'm stumbling. And he says, no, no, we need a Copernican revolution. We're, like, we're not the center, but God is the center. And we're revolving around him. Jesus is the Lord. It's not my life with some salt and pepper God on top. It's God, what do you want? It's like the blank check to the Lord. It's, Lord, like, you're, you're the guy. You're, you're, you have all the power. It's your kingdom, and I'm ready to go do whatever it takes to, get to, to build that here. I want, I want all of it. Let's do this thing. And that's not, like, a decision that everyone can, can make, like, immediately, but it's what the Lord wants to draw us to while we're on the process. If you're sitting here as, like, a sophomore or fresh or something, maybe you're just like, like, that's fine. Like, or maybe you're senior, and you're like, that's fine. But if you're faithful, God is faithful. And he's going to draw you on that way. Where we make this Copernican revolution. Where it's not just my life and God, like, he, like, sprinkles some grace on it when I need it. But he is the center. He's our all.
So wherever you are right now, I'm going to come back to that quote. Take no place before God or man, but that of servant. This is kind of like, I guess, what I want to offer us as we leave here. Take no place before God or man, but that of servant. Let this be your work and your goal. God is faithful. God is faithful. Just as water flows to where it is empty, so will God seek to fill what is abased. And worship team, you guys can come up. Keep going here a second. We embrace this. We start to lay down our lives, conforming to Jesus, empowered by His Spirit. Um, we'd be in a tremendous spot four weeks from now, or whatever it is. We'd be in a tremendous spot to offer men and women from all over the state of Ohio, some from UCF, they're coming to the show, just found out. Um, what it means to live life in the spirit. You guys are the hosts. Like, we're the community hosting. We got some ODU brothers. Praise God. That's awesome. We'll link up with them. They're like, you're the hosts. Like, God wants to work. There's grace available for each of you as leaders that, like, wasn't available before. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of this. I, my life is, like, a sign of this. Like, God equips average Joes you, us, we're not special, we're just, we're just people, we're at a good school, great, but like, God wants to equip you to do something you haven't done before, to do something you haven't actually thought possible, to incarnate his spirit, his life, in a way that you didn't previously do before. This is the grace held out to us, brothers and sisters. It may not be a warm, pleasant feeling, maybe it is for you, praise God, but he wants you to surrender so he can feel you more.